Amen. Beautiful song of worship. Love that song. You alone are my strength and shield. Well, last Sunday on Mother's Day, we were in week two of our series called The Second Journey. And today we're headed back to Acts 16, where we find the missions team passionate to serve God, but desperately seeking which direction to go. And if you're physically able, uh, would you please stand for a reading this morning? Our reading's not that long, just verses 6 through 12 in the book of Acts, chapter 16. And we'll read there. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. The title of our message this morning is, Come Over and Help Us. And let's pray. Father, would you bless this morning as we speak your word, and I pray that you'd give us clarity of mind and heart, and help us to have true hearts of worship before you, as we've just sung about. Hearts of worship that are ready not only to hear, but to do what you've called us to do. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. And would you listen to this song? There's a thing. 
Thank you, folks, for that message and song. I tell you what, with this, uh, my big Bible here, I've been messing musicians up for years. I always, always forget, and I leave it on the pulpit, and then when they put their papers on there, there's no room for their paper. So, sorry about that, guys. Appreciate that song. You know, when it comes to directions and destinations, all Christians really, I think, have stories about how we have discerned that something was God's will or maybe that something wasn't God's will. Or maybe we recognize that there was something 
uh, important going on, but we're confused about what it meant and if it is God's will and should we do it or shouldn't we do it. And we often begin our, our lives and, and kind of our paths with these questions. And, and today we have an initial question, I think, that we should all really consider. Have you ever been headed in one direction only to find that God seemed to be closing the door? And you thought it was the right thing and you really believed that you should do it. But as you went that direction, you found out that God seemed to be closing that off. And God seemed to be taking your options away. As we read in our text today in Acts 16, Paul and the mission team, they dealt with the same experience. And you know, to find God's will, you have to be ready to hear what the Spirit is whispering. But you also have to be ready to do what the Spirit's leading you to do. And so we're going to get into our passage here in Acts 16 today. And I believe, find what God has for us in our hearts. We begin with the explicit instruction in verse number 6. And the notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us. Look again at verse number 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and look at this, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. They were forbidden. That's, that's a big word. That word forbidden. And there are various levels of communication when it comes to not wanting someone to do something, right? You could say, uh, well, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. You ever told somebody that? Or, you know, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Maybe you get even stronger and you say, hey, let's not do that. Or you could really come just blatant, outright, stop doing that. Okay, but when you say, I forbid you to do that, that's as strong as it gets. And, and you, when you forbid someone and something is forbidden in your life, that's as strong of a language as God could use that he doesn't want us to do something. And I find it very interesting that a team that is out doing the most important thing possible, which is spreading the gospel, was forbidden, strong word, to move eastward toward Asia. And then we wonder why. And we begin to ask these questions, well, why is God trying to keep us from Asia? Why is God against the Asians, right? And that's how progressives are training us to think, where there's always got to be this divisiveness and there's always got to be an enemy in the situation. And uh, they learned it, by the way, from the very first progressive. His name was Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him. In the garden, his ploy on Adam and Eve was to make it look like God was trying to keep wonderful things out of their reach. And so he sold them on the idea that God does not have your best interests in mind. God doesn't want you to have any fun. God doesn't want you to become like him. Let me tell you up front that if you don't trust that God has your best interests in mind, you will never be concerned about his will for your life. You have to trust that God 
wants the best for you and that he loves you and that he cares for you and that his plans for your life are even better than your own. And his will for your life is better than anything you could conceive of or think of on your own. You know, if you do believe in the truth that God is good all the time and he wants the best for you all the time, if you are available to listen to the Spirit's whispers, then God's will gets very specific. And it's amazing how specific the will of God is here. These guys weren't asking if it was God's will for them to spread the gospel. They already knew that it was. But they were ready to receive guidance on where to go. And I'm going to go ahead and guess that if you haven't been responsive on the general will of God for your life, the things that he has clearly shown you that he wants you to be involved in, by his word and by his spirit and by his people, then you aren't going to receive any further word from him. And it, it's, it's a staggering detail because so many people, in fact, I would say that there are 80, 90% of believers who struggle with the will of God in their lives. And the reason why they struggle with God's will is because they refuse to do what God's already revealed for them to do. And look, God's not going to give you the next step if you didn't take the first step. And we want to know what step 98 is when we're still on step 12. Right? How many of you ladies have ever been around a man who built something that included directions? Right? And how many of you understand that when a man builds something that includes directions, that the directions are not really that important? Okay, he kind of knows in his head how it's going to work and how it's supposed to work. And, and so what he does is he's got the directions as a standby in case he ends up with a whole bunch of extra parts. And a lot of times he does. And I have to tell you, I have been through uh, personal experiences where I have ended up with extra parts. And I've been through personal experiences where I was on step five, and all of a sudden I realized that I forgot to do step two. And I put the cabinet together, but the holes were on the wrong side. Right? It's kind of like the will of God in our lives, where we want to outpace God's timeline in knowing what we're supposed to do. And we say, God, if you would just show me what I'm supposed to do, I'd do it. And I believe that God whispers back so often, I already have. I've already shown you what you're supposed to do. And you're not doing it. And until we do what's already been revealed, he's not going to reveal more. But he revealed a detailed will for this mission team. Paul was busy in the Lord's work. And so the Spirit explicitly and expressly forbade him from heading toward Asia. Because God knew more than Paul did. And believe it or not, God knows more than you do too. And God knows more than I do. I don't want to serve a God who only knows as much as I know. And thank God that he is bigger and he's smarter than all of the people who are so proud that they think that they are their own gods. 
And there is an entire segment of our population and society now who think that they are smarter than the God of creation. The God of creation, who in Genesis 1 laid out how life's supposed to work. And in the first 11, 12 chapters of Genesis, laid out a record for us how we can know exactly how it's supposed to be. And in the beginning, you may read that God created them male and female. Senator Rice and I were just talking about this. God is the one who set that forth. Why? Because God's pretty smart. In fact, God's a lot smarter than we are. And when we try to come in in the 790th hour and try to figure out how God messed it up and we're going to change it all for the better, then we're going to mess everything up. Because God knows what he's doing. Do you know God made ladies for a very special reason? God didn't make them the same. Thank heavens he didn't. Right? God made women to be this beautiful creature, this creature full of grace to help and, and to be there and to support. And many of the ladies have great leadership skills and great ideas as well. But God made us separate for a reason. God made us not only that we would physically be able to attach to each other, but that we, we would emotionally and spiritually and socially be able to attach to each other. Men need women. And if we try to take women out of the equation and we try to make everybody the same and whatever you feel like that's what you are, we're going to mess everything up. You know, the next thing I have to tell you, it's going to be a court case where a 16-year-old is arrested for drunk driving and they say, well, how did you get a hold of alcohol? Well, I associated with a 23-year-old. I felt like I was a 23-year-old that day. And the judge said, well, you weren't 23. Your birthday is this date, and you're 16. Yeah, but I felt like I was that. And who are you to tell me that my feelings aren't valid? Right? Who are you to tell me that because I wanted to have a relationship as a 14-year-old with a 23-year-old, who are you to tell me that I can't feel like I'm that age? Society is headed down a very dark path. If we don't take God's will seriously, and if we don't take God's words seriously, there is explicit information that God wants to give to us. He knows more than we do. The reason many people aren't interested in God's will to put it bluntly, is that they are serving their own will. They have something in them that wants to take over as God. And to let you in on a little secret, we all deal with this. Every one of us at some point in our lives has tried to become our own God. Because we think we know more than God, and we think we have a better path than God for our own lives. And every time I've ever done it, it has led to failure. It has led to discouragement. It has led to loneliness. And that's where it leads every time. And so God really wants to give us explicit instructions. Now, he gave them such explicit instructions that he said, don't go there. Right? That's how explicit it was. Don't go there. 
And later on, he's going to say, go here. And uh, there are people who are so in tune with God's will, and they're so willing to listen to God's whispers through the Holy Spirit that they believe and they know that God is giving them explicit instructions on things like where they should park in the parking lot. Right? And uh, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, like which road they should take when they're going to a certain place. And my mother-in-law, when we were, uh, we were about to get married, I started to uh, drive with her some and and uh, she always wanted me to drive the car if we were going somewhere and her husband wasn't there because she believed in chivalry. And so we'd get in the car, and I'd start the car and put it in drive and then reach for my seatbelt, of course, because you've got to remember that. Um, and she would say, aren't you forgetting something? Like, got a key, put it in drive, did my seatbelt, can't listen to the radio because we've got to talk. Right? What did you forget? I forgot that every time you ride with her, you say a prayer before you go anywhere. Because she wants God to lead us on the right roads to go to Walmart. And she wants God to make sure that we make the right decisions by his will in the traffic as we go there. And she wants God to make sure that the driver is gracious to other drivers. Imagine this. She believes that God has explicit instructions even in the minutia of life. Does he? I would say that he does. If he knows the very number of hairs on our head, and if he knows when the sparrow falls, and if he knows how to clothe the lilies of the field, I think he knows what we're supposed to do. And so explicit instructions are part of his reach. But then I want you to notice in verses 7 and 8, the extra attempts. I, I like what happens here next. Look at verse number 7. So they're forbidden to go to Asia. After they were come to Messiah, they essayed or, or they attempted to go into Bithynia. Now look at this. But the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas. So they kept trying. Just because they had been instructed not to go to Asia, they weren't prepared to give up on their mission. They kept trying other places, knowing that the Spirit's leading is never offered to keep us from God's will. Did you hear what I said? The Spirit's leading is never given to us to keep us away from God's will. The Spirit's leading is always given to us to guide us toward God's will. It's always curious when someone tells you that God is leading them to do something that clearly violates his word. God's will will never lead you to go against God's word. God will never lead you to go against his spirit. And they weren't just going to stop laboring for the Lord until he showed them what to do next. They're going to stay busy until they got further directions. Now, you've heard this mentality that until God shows me what I'm supposed to do, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. You know, there are certainly times when God wants us to stand still and know that he's God. And there are times when Jesus yearns for us to just sit at his feet and have fellowship with him. 
But God never calls us to be stagnant. God never calls us to be idle. I believe it's Bob Jones Sr. who said that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. You know, Jesus told the parable of the workers who were just sitting there idly by, and the master asked them, why are you sitting there idle all day long? Well, because no one's hired us. He said, okay, well, come on, let's get busy. You know, we should make every attempt to be about the Father's business. The place of service is often the place where we learn more about God's will. They went to Messiah, and they wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit didn't allow it. And then they went to Troas. And that's where Paul heard the third part, which is the earnest plea. This is verses 9 and 10. Here's this earnest plea. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after we had seen the, the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Just as clearly as Paul knew that the Holy Spirit didn't want him to go to Asia, he now knew that the man in Macedonia, the vision of the Macedonian man, was the call toward Europe. And so God truly wanted Paul to know his will, just like God truly wants us to know his will. God can still speak to you in any way that he wants to. He's God. But you know, we can be certain that he speaks to us through his word and through his spirit and through preaching and teaching and through spiritual leaders who have a heart for God and through our brothers and sisters who have hearts for God and even through events and circumstances in our lives. God can use whatever he wants to speak with you. In fact, he spoke to Balaam through his own donkey. He spoke to Elijah in a still small voice. Here he, he speaks to Paul in a vision. Let me be extra clear on this, though. Scripture teaches us this. God will never reveal something to you in a vision that goes against his word. God will never reveal something to you in a dream that goes against his spirit. As believers in the age of grace, we have been given the finished revelation of God's word. We have been indwelt by the spirit who God has promised to use to guide us into all truth. And so be very careful. There aren't ever any dreams or visions now that go against what God's already said in his finished word. I just keep that in mind. Uh, people ask me a lot, can, can a dream help me discern God's will? Now, who am I to tell you? In the word of God, dreams help people discern God's will, right? But in our day, we have pizza too. And sometimes you just ate too much pizza the night before, <laughs> right? And so maybe if you ate too many pieces of mushroom and pepperoni, then that dream you had may not be God's will. It may just be a dream, and so you have to have some tests for that. Does it agree with God's word? Does it agree with how the Spirit's directing me? Does it agree with what the spiritual guidance I'm getting from, from spiritual people and counselors in my life? And the last one, when I told people about it, did I tell them the whole story? Can't tell you how many people have come to me or come to others and asked for advice, but when they take out the deck of cards... 
they keep about five in their pocket. And they lay them all out and say, here's what God's doing, and I'm really searching for God's will. And you almost want to ask, can you get the cards out of your pocket and put them out too? The cards that answer the questions, why am I really doing this? The card that, that says, what, what is my, uh, my real purpose here? What am I trying to gain from this? And uh, why am I hiding some of the elements of this story from the people I'm talking to? And, and so, yeah, dreams, visions, people, circumstances, whatever it is how God's leading you, he still can direct you and he can still guide you any way he wants in the age of grace. But be careful because God does not guide you to violate his will. Right? If you come in and say, Pastor, God's leading me to cheat on my wife. Clearly it's not true. Clearly it's against scriptural guidelines. Right? If you say, God, God is leading me to go rob a bank. Right? Clearly it's against scriptural guidelines. God's leading me to gossip about my friend. Right? And I came in with this prayer need uh, about my friend. It was really a gossip need. And we, we sometimes use that phrase, I'm praying about, or it's God's will, and we use it loosely. And I want you to be very careful of that, because one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And when you attach God's name to a lie about what you want to do in your life, that is taking God's name in vain, just as certainly as if you said, Oh my God. Just as certainly as if you uttered the name Jesus Christ as a curse word, when you use God and attach it to a lie about what you want to do with your life and say, well, I've really prayed about this, and you haven't, that's taking God's name in vain. We have to be very careful that when we sense an earnest plea and when we sense a direction in our lives that God is truly involved, keep in mind that God wants us to know his will. He really does. And that's why this earnest plea stood out. We get to verses 11 and 12. We see this last part of the message today, the entrance to Macedonia. If you look at verse number 11, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. You've probably heard this one before. Knowing God's will and doing God's will are very different things. So the vision comes, and let me remind you of what it said in verse number 11. After he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. We didn't let any time sit on it. We immediately headed for Macedonia. We didn't say, you know what, let's wait a few weeks and see if this is really right. They went. Knowing God's will and doing God's will are very different things. We said this earlier in the message. Some people maybe have known what God wants them to do for years, but they've never moved forward. And they just keep pushing back against the Spirit's leading. And even though it seems that they had just arrived in the city of Troas, look what it says in verse 11. Therefore, loosing from Troas. 
they immediately loosed from Troas and headed toward Philippi, ready to be used by God there. Now, I'll give you a preview because next Sunday, we're going to look at the door to Europe that God opened for them. And it's a very incredible part of the passage here in Acts 16. But don't miss the application for our hearts today. Let's kind of reiterate what that is. God has a plan for each of us. God opens doors for each of us. But for us to do God's will, we have to be willing to loose ourselves from Troas. We have to be willing to loose ourselves from the cares of this world and from the circumstances of our lives and from the selfishness of what we want to do. And we have to go forward and follow his path. The number one reason why Christians don't do God's will is that we do our own will. We were talking in our life group today about a survey that the Barna Research Group did. It says this. Out of those who call themselves Christians here in the United States, those who say that Jesus is the only way to heaven, those who say that salvation is only by grace through faith, according to the word of God, out of that group, only 9% of those surveyed 9% said that they actually pray and follow God's guidance from his word in major life decisions. 9%. When I read that, I was blown away. Goodness gracious, how could we make major life decisions without God's guidance? And where would you ever want to go without God? leading you there. Uh, You've been down those paths without God, and they never end well. You went over a guardrail and went down a cliff. You landed in a place you never wanted to be. Sin took you farther than you wanted to go off the path, and it kept you longer than you wanted to stay, and it cost you much more than you wanted to pay. And yet, we're tempted to go on our own and to think that we know more than the sovereign God of all the universe when it comes to God's will. And here they were, and they get this vision, and they loosed from where they were, and they immediately endeavored to go to where God wanted them to be. I hope you'll take this thought away today. As you pray, as we close the service, you pray in your heart, would you be willing to say to God, God, Whatever it is you want for my life, I'm willing to do it. Now, that's pretty easy, isn't it? To say that to God in your heart. If you're not willing to say that to God in your heart, then you either have a hardened, backslidden heart, or you've never truly received the gospel into your life. Because the gospel changes us to be conformed to his image. The gospel makes us want to seek him first in all of our decisions. And if you've become hardened to that, and if the issues of your life have taken you to a point where you can't say, God, whatever you want me to do in my life, I'm willing to do it. Then maybe you need a heart checkup this morning. Let's bow in prayer. As we bow this morning, right there in your place, right there in your heart,
Would you be willing to say it to God today? God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'm willing to go. Whatever you want me to do is the next step as a husband or wife, as a father or mother, as a student, as an employee, whatever it is in the roles in my life that you want me to do next, I'd be willing to do that. Would you say that to God right now in your heart this morning? And if you say it, do you mean it? Is is there something between your heart and God's path for your life this morning? God, would you work in our hearts? Would you help us to be serious about this thing of your will? Would you help us to be authentic about this thing of worship? To be what you've called us to be. To do what you've called us to do. Guide us from this place today by your grace. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.